Hail, hail. Good evening, folks. Welcome along to Monday night's Endless Silks podcast. Uh, another Champions League rewind show tonight. Uh, with the fact there's still, it's very much, not much happening at Celtic Park at the moment um, that we didn't cover last week. So we thought we were going to do this last week before the news of uh, Peter Lowell's return uh, came. So let's get back onto the rewind shows uh, whilst the World Cup continues. Uh, my name's Anthony. Uh, I'll be hosting tonight. Delighted to be joined by two of the regulars, uh, Stephen and Franco. How are you doing, boys? All good. All good, mate. I think we're pretty much still recovering from Friday. That marathon... <laughs> I quiz show like so. I has been incredible. <laughs> it was great Friday. Looking forward to a nice rewind show today. Uh absolutely. And I have to take. Obviously, I was meant to be doing all the the, the hosting job on Friday night, but uh, couldn't make it. And uh, I can only take my hat off to Wally. It was it, it, such short notice to put a quiz like that together. It was absolutely fantastic. And all the you know all the the, the screenshotting and all the picture rounds and all that. It was absolutely fantastic. And uh, I yeah. absolutely, I think. Uh, I'm due him a couple of drinks on Saturday night, I think. I but, uh, so well done again, guys. It was a great show and uh, a great laugh. And uh, just to do the quick uh, intro before we get started. Beer 52, folks, are our sponsor. Go online, follow our link. Take, grab a free case of bevy before the big man comes on the 25th. The offer's still there. Don't know what the latest is in terms of the Super 6, but I'm assuming Franny's about 100 points ahead. Um, ah, there's not been any weeks. There's not been any games. It's annoying. Ah, see, that's the thing. I'm not. I wasn't sure if it was. I know there's a lot of games happening over the World Cup. Um, but yeah, you're certainly you've got a commanding lead, Franny. Shall we say you could probably <laughs> sit out for a couple of weeks and probably still not as we But uh, and like I said, folks, welcome along, everyone. Uh, get involved in the comments and the discussion today. Stephen's in charge of all of them, so he'll bring them up on the screen and we can uh, add that into the, the discussion as we go along. But like I said, it starts a Champions League rewind tonight. Uh, this is something we agreed to do at the start of the season, just with the fact that we were back in the tournament this year. We thought we'd look back every so often at uh, years gone by. So we completed the Martin O'Neill seasons. And tonight we're looking back at season 2006-2007. Uh, it was a season in which we finally broke the glass ceiling of not getting through a group stage. We qualified for the last 16 uh, for the first time. We became the first champions uh, side from Scotland. It went qualify for the last 16 in the Champions League and win the <coughs> league in the same season. A feat we've achieved no fewer than three times uh, since then. And uh, But yeah, apparently... You know, Rangers had done it the year before with seven points, Stephen, but, you know, it was like the easiest Champions League group you could ever wish to have. And they finished third in a two-horse race, so get it right up <laughs> them. And, um, <laughs> but to take it back to 2006, even uh, like I said, the first um, the first season under Gordon Stratton had came the year before. He'd faced a massive rebuilding job with the departure of Martin O'Neill. Probably not too dissimilar to what um, Ange faced uh, last mm. summer. And we got a lot of players in straight away. We had a massive disappointment with not qualifying for Europe at all. But uh, as in retrospect, it could possibly be argued that that gave this new team a lot of chance to bed in together and form a, a good team spirit. And uh, we won the league in record time. We won it very, very quickly and uh, also had a, a League Cup uh, triumph as well. So Similar to Ange in his first season, two trophies out of three. And um, thanks to Henrik Larsson's uh, exploits in the Champions League final against Arsenal uh, that year, it meant that due to the coefficient, the Scottish champions went right into the group stages. So we had no qualifiers uh, to worry about that season. And um, Neil Lennon, one of the O'Neill stalwarts, was still there. But that summer saw the departure of one of the last of... uh, one of the last of them. Um, by this point, Sutton had departed, John Hartson had departed, and Stylian Petrov had moved down south to Aston Villa for big money. Uh, £8 million, pounds, a record uh, transfer sale uh, for a good few years at Celtic. And um, but with that money, Gordon was allowed to sort of add to the players that he'd already brought in the year before. You, you think some big money signings as well. You know, you think of the likes of Jan Venegor, or Hesselink, <coughs> Gary Caldwell, uh, the tenacious Thomas Gravison, one way mm-hmm. to describe him, uh, from Real Madrid, no less. Uh, Kenny Miller and was also brought in on a pre-contract as well. So complete reshaping me the team. And um, he basically felt this was a, a team that he felt could go places in Europe. 
I mean, see, to be fair, you, you spoke about Larsner as well. It was a double-edged sword. Last time we spoke, he scored against us and broke our hearts and he's doing his <laughs> in the Champions League final. So he always comes back some way to always be the king of us and be the king of Celtic and get his wee favourite get us into the, the group stage proper without the, the qualifying rounds. I mean, you talked about Strachan's first season, Armenia Bratislava. Oh, my God. You know, you're, you're thinking... You're thinking that the, the warning signs are there. Do you remember that game? Was it McGeady played left back in parts of the home game? And it was just horrendous. Marshall had two horrendous games. And then Boris came into the club and stuff like that. But I liked going to Strachan. It still baffled me why I got a lot of stick from the Celtic support. I know there was connections with Aberdeen and stuff and all that type of thing. But I thought he was a good manager for us. Four seasons, three league titles. Can't really complain about it. And I know he, he probably wanted to leave after the third season, but again, emotional side of things took over and he probably stayed on a year a year too longer than he should have. And he, he's already said that. But re- regarding this team, I mean, you're losing the likes of Petrov, going to Aston Villa, and he made those song or dance about it. He wanted to leave and try something different. That was fair enough. Mm-hmm. But when you're bringing in the likes of Jan Vinegar Hesling from PSV, I think it was, for about £3.2 million, pounds, oh, and yeah. you're bringing in Codwell, who... He loved Caldwell, and to be fair, like he tried to play him in midfield sometimes as well. It's crazy on the, the, the his range of passing. He thought he was back in bar sometimes, Gary Caldwell, but he was all right with McManus. And then you, you could have likes of Yuri Arsix and Kenny Miller, and obviously Kenny Miller with the, the Rangers connection. People don't like him already, but for us, I thought he was all right. <laughs> and, I, 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 I thought, I thought he gave us all. I think in the European stage, he was decent. He got two against Benfica. He ran um, some defences ragged. It's been like, in, in his own kind of way, but like made in terms of work rate, pace, trying to get, get the in about defences and not the most technically gifted player, but he, he did give a, give a good account of himself in a, in a Celtic jersey, even scored against the, the club he, he loves. But, I mean, you put Park on all one side, going to Strachan, as you said, had a big, massive job to do and like you keep Neil Lennon apart of that, he's the contingent that holds the team together and you have different people around it. Like Sarasi came his first season you know, I mean, like McGeady's still around, Nakamura was there, you go to McManus, Boric, who was probably coming into his best years as a goalkeeper with us, probably one of the best keepers in the world on his day, obviously, off the field issues kind of hampered him, and <laughs> what, what, what he could do, he was more fond of the drink and going out that clubbing than he was being professional, but unbelievable goalkeeper for us, and yeah, I mean, going into Europe, <clears throat> you're confident, you're, you're happy, you see the group, obviously, you want to come on to that, but yeah, it was a team that was... Uh, not reminiscent of the, the O'Neill era because that's a totally different quality of player, but he was building and shaping his own team a bit like what Poster Coglu's doing now. Absolutely. And, you know, Franco, we were drawn in Group F uh, that season. And even although, like I said, no qualifiers, we were actually drawn. In, that was one of the first time we'd ever been the pot two side uh, in, in the draw. And we were drawn. Uh, it was a fresh group. Uh, teams we'd never had before in any of previous adventures under Martin O'Neill. Um, English Giants, Manchester United were the pot one side and um, our friends from Portugal, Benfica, a t- team that we had a, a lot of history with, um, were the pot three opponents and in pot four to complete the group was FC Copenhagen. Uh, perhaps a little bit similar to the, the group this year, although, you know, in 2006 with a little bit more, uh, you know, sort of a bit more clinical in front of goal. It was a group where you thought, Everyone, everything was there for the taking. And if we took our chances and done the business at home, we would have every chance of getting out of the group. Uh, uh, coupled on with the fact that obviously Martin O'Neill's home record is in, in the Champions League and yeah. stuff, I think you still had you had confidence that didn't matter who kept the park edge, you were going to give them a game and you were disappointed if you actually didn't take anything away for the game. And like say Copenhagen, you were confident that was three points, Benfica, confident three points. The Man United game, it was, it was a battle of Britain. Uh, you always kind of relish that that challenge that you can go. I know, obviously, now it's definitely Scottish League is looked down on. It was also looked down upon a wee bit, but even back then. But So it was a chance for us to say, look, we're actually no bad side in that. But you might look down the league here, but we've got to play against the big boys and we'll show you what we can do and stuff. So uh, it was it was an intriguing group. Like you say, guys that came in, yeah, uh, big point, Fenegar or Hessel, thanks, or um, I think he was top goal scorer in Holland, or he was banging mm-hmm. the money, he was well fought after. It was obviously a time where you could attract that type of player. Um, Gravis and that one was just, that was mental, absolute mental. You're actually bringing, I know he wasn't in the first team week in, week out, Real Madrid, but 
when are Celtic ever going to Real Madrid and spending four million to bring a guy for Real Madrid? It's, it's it was madness, and it was just it was an absolute rocket. It was rotten when it, when it came. To be honest, it wasn't brilliant, but he he did a job at times. And yeah, Kenny Miller, I thought he was always on the back foot. The fact that he had that ties with Rangers, but yeah, he he did perform and stuff. Caldwell was just I think it was one of these signs. He was a steady professional, knew you've got to get mm-hmm. with him. Played how uh, Strachan wanted to play. Like Strachan, I think I was probably one of the guilty ones that did really take to him. But then it's on reflection, you realise this guy was, was a good manager. Like he had to strip the wage bill so much, and he wasn't uh, given the luxury of Martin and he would go and spend six, seven million pounds in players and the wages that went along with that. So Strachan probably. I wouldn't say put the most exciting brand of football at times. I had your Nakamura's and Magidi that could give us that wee bit of trickery out wide and Sean Maloney even and stuff. But it was it was almost I wouldn't be as disrespectful to football, but a lot of the European games, it was give it to Caldwell and he played a big diagonal up. Venegar mm-hmm. Hessler generally got an end it and it was Miller and McDonald there just to kind of to deal with it and things like that. But I Strachan again, I think one of the <coughs> another thing why he probably wasn't endeared to Celtic fans it's what they were it wasn't a Celtic man and sometimes that's a good thing you look at Vim Jansen look at Poster Coggle now big big seasons where probably a Celtic minded person may have got too emotionally involved and you maybe have had a different outcome maybe Rangers have won the 10 maybe we wouldn't have won the, the league last season if uh, you had somebody like somebody was emotionally invested in Celtic and I think that was the thing with Strachan and I thought it, it never seemed to try and endear himself with the Celtic fans but that could have just been the nature of the guy and things like that but I think on reflection I think uh, Gordon Strachan can be more than more than proud of his, his time at Celtic Say to be uh, fair as well say to be fair just to kind of come to the comments Patrick McLaughlin now this was one of my issues and I was in a bit of research for the, the podcast tonight it's crap you can't get good online coverage of these Champions League games back then I found it hard to find uh, some mate, oh, of, of the games and then John comes in, would be nice if Sally TV offered the old league and Champs League matches as footage and archive format, like the WWE, yeah. There is ways, I'm sure, the Sally TV can dig into these things. And it's like a way they can combine the two and just have, like, GR and the King commenting on, like, Nakashi <laughs> and stuff like that. That would be amazing. But see, to be, see to be fair as well. The Celtic TV is just way behind, man. Absolutely uh, behind. You, you spoke I'm about, obviously... DVDs, man. Ah, uh, that's crazy, man. You, you spoke about... um. The, the, the talent of the team and you're 100% right because I was thinking that myself it was a team that's for full of workmen like players players who would dig in give maximum effort and you have the likes of McGeady and Nakamura and I if you, if you look at it from probably a totally obscure different type of angle another team that liked that obviously far far better and extremes of it like but Atletico Madrid under Diego Simeone mm. a couple of years back like you had Godin and players like that players who aren't exactly amazed on the eye but they worked hard and one front at right back and Louise at left back and they were, they just done it for the manager and that's what you kind of get the feeling from this team and like Barry Robson and Paul Hartley in midfield at some points and do you know what I mean so Madness. it was incredible that, that he pulled off some of these cracking European results like yeah it definitely was they were like you say they were one of those teams that they were a, they were a fit side um, and like they perhaps not the most easiest on the eye but they definitely kept going right till the very end and uh, opening night came uh, and sadly, as it always does, uh, ended in defeat. But it was a uh, definitely not the uh, the one one way traffic that all the so called experts down south presumed it was going to be uh, at Old Trafford that night. Celtic actually took the lead uh, against Manchester United that night through Benegora Hesselink in the twenty first minute, and then um, a perfect dive from Ryan Giggs. I don't think I've ever seen him that well until it was on his brother's bed. Um, like <laughs> Man United, uh, equalise. And uh, Luis Saha then made it two-one, and we thought, oh well, you know this this could be sore. But then, and more of this is to come later on in the show. A perfect free kick for Nakamura left Van der Sar motionless, and it was two-two at half time. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did make it three-two to Celtic. Uh, three-two to Manchester United. So the early mm-hmm. in the second half and. Unfortunately, we didn't really threaten in front of goal uh, after that. Uh, however, like, like you say, um, guys, about Thomas Gravison, absolutely great. You know, he, he came 
with these big games in, ha- in mind, this is what he was signed for. And yet two of the three goals, it was him that gave the ball away that night, Stephen. You just think a little bit more composure in the middle of the park and we could have taken something from Old Trafford. I mean, Thomas Robertson, he, he, he was an enigma, wasn't he? Like, see all the stories you hear of him by like Cy Ferry or whoever it was wow. around about him that time. He was going into reserve league football going, all right, lad, all right, lad. And then trying to take the ball and chop people on the halfway line and run around. I remember listening to one of their podcasts and it was something he was playing on the right-hand side and Mark Wilson was behind him. I think it was Mark Wilson saying it. And Mark was like, you need to track back, you need to track back. And he was like, who do you think you're talking to? That type of stuff. He was just running around the pits and leave them at will. But see that night at Old Trafford, I remember getting into the game and <clears throat> coming from obviously the AFC Cup and big, big Blackburn and big Liverpool and Battle of Britons. It was all, all the thing. It was what you look forward to when you get these draws. And you still do because you always hope for an English team in some shape or form. But it was just, again, the arrogant side of things. Everyone was thinking there was going to be an easy win for Manchester United. They were chocked with the talent. Let's be honest, Sahan, uh, Ferdinand, you have Gary Neville, all them types of players. And, and you, you, the, the thing they're going to walk over is and do this and do that. But see, I remember maybe Granda spoke about this. If you actually took both results and did it in a Champions League, uh, what do you call it? A Champions League knockout okay. round, we'd we win due to yeah. goal. So you have to take some kind of form that. But the, the performance that night, and it, it, it was good. I mean, we played really well. I thought Vinegar Hasling totally dominated Ferdinand. And I think he lost him for the first goal. He, he put in the, the bottom right corner, I think it was. And then Nakamura's free kick was, oh, it was just a thing of beauty, wasn't it? The guy, I mean, this guy is incredible. We talk about Kyogo and uh, Maeda, Hatate, Lesser, so with Aguzzi, and now we have Kobayashi coming in. But Nakamura was an absolute legend. You know what I mean? This guy came in for three years to our club and led us up with some fantastic moments. The two free kicks against United, there's something that's going to replay and replay for years and years to come. And he does left Fandasar, didn't he? Fandasar had no chance. He didn't move. And the place erupted from the week uh, 6,000 uh, Celtic fans there at the time. But yeah, it was a good performance. And like Saha as well. And Giggs, I remember that, Dave. And I remember Boris went mental. Boris was going crazy. But then obviously the referee thinks different. They win the game, but it, you got a lot of confidence in that first game, Anthony. You've seen a lot of players who maybe you thought couldn't cope really step up to the plate and show themselves in that stage. And going to strike and again, to be to be fair, nearly executed that game plan to perfection. Yeah, he did, and I think Franco, we sort of got a, a sign of what was to come in terms of, like we say, that fitness and never say die attitude uh, from Celtic under striking in this, uh, especially in Europe during this time, and from that. We had, and like you say, there was obviously a bit of trepidation about could Gordon take on what O'Neill had done in Europe in terms of the home record especially and uh, and maintain it. And our first home game uh, on the back of that was against Copenhagen, the pot four side. And to be fair, in terms of there wasn't much between the two sides that night. It was a, it was a very close affair. But, and this is where he kept it, he did manage to keep the run going. Yes, it was a penalty kick. But Kenny Miller, on the back of winning, uh, scoring his first against Rangers that weekend in mm, uh, right. a 2-0 victory, kept his scoring run up. We are winner in the Champions League. Um, after had done a bad spell of you know seven, eight games without scoring, scoring in a derby and then scoring the winner in a Champions League tie, it's uh, not too bad. Uh, it was not too bad because obviously, like most strikers, you want to get off the mark as quickly as you can. Um, and then obviously more so somebody like Kenny Miller who had that Rangers background obviously had his doubters cause of that and the more he goes on without not scoring it's just adds to that so I mean I don't know if he could have picked a debut goal probably I mean any striker probably pick his first game but if it was to be another game I don't think he could have picked a better game and the magnitude of the goal and stuff then obviously went on to Showed the confidence in the like he was also still flying for the weekend and stuff. It showed the confidence. I'd went maybe I think it was six seven games like you said, Anthony hadn't scored until the Rangers game. And then gets a penalty, and he's like, "No, look, I'm taking. I'm the striker. I'll take that penalty." Um, wasn't it the best penalty? But it doesn't matter. It went. It went in. The keeper was keeper was close to it. But I can remember um, obviously after like the the big Champions League win. Well, the Champions League wins just on the card on the way home. You'd put a uh, like Scott Sport or something, just the radio on that's uh, the the Scottish radio uh, that would be 
showing you highlights, you'd hear the phone ins and things like that. And I can just remember the co- obviously the commentary for it, and it was like Kenny Miller, he just can't stop scoring. It's like, oh, calm, calm down, it's his second goal. It's his second goal in there, and one of them's a penalty. Just, just calm down. But it's like, so it's set after the, the disappointment, he put in a really good effort in at uh, Old Trafford, and no man's to take him away for that game. Like, Steve said, that Nakamura free kick, it's, it's mad that he scored two brilliant free kicks against Man United and ones. In some quarters, with some folk, it's actually forgotten about. Obviously, Celtic fans remember it, but it was actually, like you say, Van der Sar was rooted to the spot with that one. And, yeah. But to then go into your second game at home, you're obviously sitting on zero points, but just to get off the market then instills that belief going, right, I've got, I think I, I think I can do this. The team then also build that. The, the fans will see that and say, like, well, maybe I can carry on what Neil started in Europe and that was, I reckon, if you offered the three points after two games, you take it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, some, Stephen, I'm sure you'll be, so some you touched on during the campaign this year, it's some we've got to get back to in terms of being being harder to, to harder to break down at home. Because, you know, 1-0, I, I, from what I remember, like you said, I've tried to have a look at some of the highlights myself. I don't recall Copenhagen breaking forward too much in the game. Yeah. Celtic, we were never really under much pressure. Yeah. And it's getting those three points on the board <coughs> that can just be the springboard onto better things um, as the group unfolds. I mean, to say to be fair, like, yeah, 100% totally agree. We need to find out roots of the street again in European football. But I wanted this heart back to listen to that again. Like, if I can read the lineup, please, you, like, the players, like, Boris and Nets, Wilson at right back, Telford come on the 51st minute, Caldwell, McManus, Naylor, Lennon, Nakamura, Graverson, Yarosik, my favourite player, <laughs> Feniger, Haslick, and then Miller and Maloney appear to subs. And then you look at the United lineup. Fandasar, Neville, Ferdinand, Brown, Sylvester, Fletcher, Scholes, Carrick, Giggs, Rooney, Saha. Like, you, you cannot underestimate how close we were to pulling off a massive, massive upset at, at Old Trafford. And for large parts of that game, we were probably on top, I thought. We played really yeah. well, especially in the, especially the first 45. Yeah, uh, yeah first the, fir- the first half, we were flying. There was no fear in the team. And then, again, you, you get that. But to go back to what you said, the Copenhagen game, I hate when we get Copenhagen. They bore me to death. <laughs> we never seem to get rid of them, like don't we? Not? And I, I found footage of the Kenny Miller penalty. It was old, like fan footage, mm-hmm. and it went into the bottom left corner. The keeper got a touch to it mm-hmm. and pushed it, pushed it into the side that and, and all the fans around this guy video was going, "Come on, Kenny! Come on, Kenny!" There was no uh-huh. one giving them grief or shouting at him or anything. It was full on support. It was love, and everyone went mental when that when that ball hit the back of the net. But it's something that bugs me. Like it's it, it went far too quick, didn't it? This whole home thing, it just seemed to disappear. Um, Mowbray came in. I think he was a big downfall of it in, in terms of it going. And then Lenny came in. I know we got the Barcelona thing, but after that, it slowly started to dwindle away. I mean, you, teams like Clues, teams like Copenhagen, teams like Maribor coming to Celtic Park, not fearing it anymore, embracing the experience and getting the result and coming away. Like, do you know what I mean? We deserved that victory when, in reality. We should be the ones on top and getting them victories. I mean, you're beating Copenhagen. We'll eventually come on the United and Benfica, but I obviously it's a big bugbear of mine. Like we really need to find that <laughs> clinical edge, clinical edge again in the Champions League. Absolutely, and Mel. And speaking of um, you know big nights in European games, uh, Franco. This is this is a game somewhat a uh, one. I can't remember which game we were talking about the other week when I says it sort of goes under the radar when you talk about the big. European nights, Champions League nights at Parkhead, you think, you know, Juventus, Barcelona, even, you know, the Man United game that we're going to come on to. Um, but the Benfica game, I remember it's, it's definitely one of my favourites, especially that second half performance. Oh. It was absolutely incredible. And um, the atmosphere that night was 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 off the scale. Um, Benfica, you know, were, were high-flying at the time. You know, it's always going to be between them and Porto domestically. And um, they obviously came and created plenty of chances and brought a massive support, as they always do. But in terms of the second half, I think that's possibly the best 45 minutes Celtic have played, arguably, in Europe um, in the 21st century. They absolutely ran over the Portuguese champions. Uh, So, like, Strachan's first season was my first season as a season ticket holder, then... 
obviously our second season, that's the first I'm doing it is getting the Champions League. I'd obviously been to the European games beforehand and things like that under Martin O'Neill, but never really as a season tick holder. So tickets sometimes were few and far far between to try and get a hold of back then. By the first half, I can remember it wasn't much a cage of it. We had we had chances, but not really off memory, not really many clear cut chances. Benfica probably like I think they had a cup chance, but it was one of the ones you thought, right, we need to come at the second half, try and go on top of them, get an early goal, because they'll maybe just start growing in belief and uh, maybe just catch us on the break and get a wee count. It was one of the ones I felt, I mean, it's obviously the benefit of hindsight, but it's one of the ones you felt, if you get a goal, you'll score at least another one and put the game to bed. Mm-hmm. But if they score, it might deflate you, because I can remember, like you say, the first half was decent, but the way we started the second half and stuff just started flying. It was like, they're putting so much energy into this. They really need to take advantage of it. Otherwise, it could just totally deflate you. And then uh, it was just one of the ones, just Maloney, just a wee bit of trickery out wide. And was it Nakamura that cut it? No, Maloney cut it back. Nakamura had like a, sh- a shot and Kenny missed, kicked it. And Kenny Miller was just kind of at the back post and just prodded it in and stuff. And yeah. that was it. He just, then straight after that, well, so straight after that, just, it just gave the whole stadium an absolute lift. And then Kenny Miller again with a header. How has Kenny Miller scored the second goal again? The, the, the second one's probably, but for me, oh, aye, it's we're the best Champions League goal. Yeah, it's the one that the greatest counter-attack. Similar to Gary Hooper in the 3-0 against Rangers, in a way, I thought. But he just, um, Maloney packs it up and then he just plays it in and Kenny Miller just takes a touch and just rattles it. Eh? Well, it doesn't mm. even matter. curls it round the keeper. Keeper Keeps it in never, the bottom corner, yep. I was mm-hmm. saying the keeper should never get beaten in the near post there, but it actually kind of curls it round the keeper a wee bit, I feel like. And then, obviously, Pearson right in the 90th minute, it was just not really a, a, a scrimmage. It was, I think it was a deflected shot that kind of came out to, to Pearson. He, uh, he even scuffed it, kicked it into the ground, and it just kind of bounced in and up in the other goalkeeper. But 2-0 in the 90th minute, the, ga- the game's gone. It's... Pearson's goal isn't really important. It's always great to get another goal, but it's in the grand scheme of the game, it's not important in the eighth minute. But I, I can just remember that atmosphere in that game, that second half. It was, uh, it was bounce. It's one of the best I've experienced up until about four or five weeks later. Uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say if we had the podcast going. Uh, back then, Stephen would have been telling us to sign Stephen Pearson for about three years before that. We know what he's like with his SPL But listen, I rich, but that had been on the books for a couple of years, to be fair. And uh, yeah, it was it was a you could tell that was almost it, it wasn't one of Stratton's sort of first picks by any stretch, Stephen. But he had a good game that night when he came on. To be fair, and obviously scored the goal that um, put the game beyond any doubt. But it was a terrific result that night against a, a very good Benfica side. I mean, the Benfica side years gone past. I mean, they had a striker card. Do you remember Cardoz- Cardozo? Card- he used to uh, score against us. South America. Aye. He was a crack of striker for them. Had some cracking players. Nuno Gomez was there as well. Aye, Nuno Gomez. Aye, we all know the, the history of Benfica. But, I mean, you're talking about Stephen Pearson. Anthony, I mean, we're on the Champions League rewind, talking about all these illustrious clubs, and we're talking about Pearson. Like, Coming in and scoring a goal Paul, for Celtic, Paul Telford, Gary Caldwell, Paul Telford, and all like that. It's the, the thing I liked about Pearson. Every time he seemed to come on, he scored. He was just a big, tall, lanky player, awkward and in, in stature, awkward the way he ran, and he got in all these possessions. He was quite athletic and deceivingly quick. And I mean, he, he got the he got the, the goal, and I Phil McGinley, him there, the lethal striker for them, hundred percent. He used to hear playing against him, but um. Yeah, that, that night, I mean, it was to be fair, it was probably Kenny Miller's night, if we're honest. He scored two Absolutely. goals for us, and the, the breakaway goal, Maloney kind of put it back to me, he had the composure, and as Anthony said, was going to say there, probably counter-attack of football, that's probably the best you're probably going to see at Celtic Park. I mean, it was just incredible. And, but I think, had a, I think they had a couple of chances straight after the, the first goal. They could have scored, mm-hmm. and then that's where the, the goal kind of led from. And then Miller's flats it away, but... If you if you look at it like we played a flat four four two, so I mean how old fashioned is that even even to think? I mean you've got Telfer yeah. and Miller on, on the full back positions, you got Nakamura, Maloney on the wings, and Saraski and Miller up top. So like, it's simple. Sometimes football gets complicated. So what's that saying? It's a, it's a simple game complicated by idiots. And that sometimes <laughs> that's true. So I mean four four two in Europe. 
<laughs> win the game 3 0. One of our best right. results as well. One of our yeah. best, one of our best results. Teams if you put the up top. Aye, yeah, 100%. <laughs> don't don't all that false nine stuff. But <clears throat> yeah, again, Frank Kennedy comes in. Miller, to be fair, gave us all. Yeah, we said that, Frank. I, I, I totally, totally agree. agree. Do you know what I mean? And we all know he's a Rangers man. We all know he's a diehard Rangers man. But while he's with us, he, he, there is no sign of lack of effort. And I won't have, kind of hold that against him. I know he doesn't really talk about his time with Celtic, but he was there, Kenny. So don't forget it. And he probably had their best nights with us as well in Europe. But I, it was a good game. A brilliant game to get that victory. I, I, I totally agree with you, Stephen. As, as I say, I, 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 of course, accept he wasn't the most prolific. But for Celtic and Scotland... Always gave 110%. He was a striking signing. Gordon wanted him. Gordon didn't want to sell him. Kenny Miller didn't want to leave Celtic. But Mr. Chief Executive calls the shots. <laughs> Say no more. And um, Did they sell him we'll the, the jerseys he used to wear? He used to wear the baggiest jerseys in the world, man. Oh, yeah, Long sleeves. hanging out of the top and the shorts were down to his ankles, man. Yeah, it was... Uh, for all, for all his efforts, he certainly wasn't going to be on a, a catwalk anytime soon uh, uh, with some of the ways he used to model the strips. But, uh, but of course, Stephen, typical Celtic in um, in Europe. We had a fantastic one at home against Benfica. And as is normally happens when we play uh, the Portuguese Giants, the score lines reversed over there. So we lost 3-0. Quite convincingly, over their typical Celtic mm. performance away from home in Europe, we went over there thinking if we get a point, we're pretty much through, and we were two 0 down after twenty minutes. Uh, Gary Caldwell on goal, and then Nuno Gomez scored, uh, and we basically, uh, you know, we've seen this script a million times. Um, we had a third goal in the seventy-six minute from Karanka, and that was pretty much that. So it was still all to play for. Thankfully, Copenhagen had defeated Man United that night 1-0 so it still kind of kept us in close range to them but we did still have that little cushion between the other two teams as well and uh, so as I say we'll move swiftly on for that and we'll give a wee bit extended chat to one of the most famous nights in Celtic's history oh, I can't believe you're blossing you. Gary Caldo's 20 minutes in that game man that second goal that second I mean the first oh, one will defend him the first one will defend him to an extent at the fact that Nuno Gomez in the back post, he's got to slide in and try and de- defend it. But and it's just one of the ones that goes in. But his second one is see if you watch replays, it you actually see him like as soon as it has his face and it falls to the boy, he's like, ah, oh, just knows it. Mm-hmm. Actually, falling at the sky and hits off his head. And I mean, it was a big heat to hit, it's a big heat to hit. But I <laughs> called all had a shocker that day, like it was one of those ones because he played pretty well. Yeah, that's <laughs> disaster class performances. Oh. Uh, you couldn't agree more, Phil. Why I think that's that the thing. Like, he'd been playing pretty well up to that, and folk were going, Fucking hell, man, we've got an absolute steal here. But I always felt the guy, remember, well, you were only one, you were only a couple of games away from the next mistake. Do you not remember he always used to try them like long raking passes? I think he pulled off oh, two in one game. Like, it was on it, about nine times out of ten, it'd be out the pitch. He tried, well, the one time once. it did come off, <laughs> Aye, Stephen, the one, was, the one against Rangers <laughs> uh, in 2008. So, all is forgiven for that goal, I have to I say. Know. But, Stephen, we'll, we'll go back to you, as I say. What we, we have, and this is one of the things that always strikes me that's quite funny about this case. This is one of the most famous nights at Celtic Park, certainly in recent memory. And yet, nobody was talking about how if Celtic only won 1 0 in the that, that, that night that they would qualify. There's actually a famous moment where Neil Lennon's getting interviewed after the game, picking up the Man of the Match award, and they say, you're, you're through, Neil. You're, you've actually qualified. And he's like, have we? Like, there was no great fanfare that Celtic had actually qualified because, mm. because of the way the group was working out. Folk were still trying to work out whether it had actually happened or not. But needless to say, leading up to that, we've talked about them before. Some of the players that United had on offer that night, it was they maybe weren't at their peak, but they were certainly on the rise again. That season actually ended up to be Man United's first uh, Premier League title in three years that year. You know, your Rooney's, your Sahas, Ferdinand's, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo goes without saying. And But again, apart from the last five minutes, I don't recall them having too many chances that night, but Celtic kind of contained them. Quite well, even though they had the lion's share of possession. But then, with uh, about seven minutes to go, 
just like at Old Trafford, your favourite player, Yuri Yarasek, was fouled a little bit further outside the box this time. Um, about 35 yards against, in my opinion, as a United fan, second, well, fan, not supporter, um, the Man United's greatest ever goalkeeper, Edwin van der Sar, thought it's going to have to be something special to beat him for there. But then again, we do have someone special in Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't know about you, but every time, the more you watch it, it almost seems to get further out, the more the, the more you watch <laughs> it. For me, it's one of the greatest goals ever scored. It's an absolute peach. And if that had been a more famous player, he would probably be on the yeah. opening credits of every Champions League uh, rewind. Yeah. It should be featured on the, the montages of every Champions League campaign of of goals and highlights. It was absolutely incredible. Just to touch upon that night, I mean, I'll throw a few stats in that, that I kind of looked at today. Apparently, now, this is the last time United lost a group stage game until 2011. And then you, you look at their you look, you look at their team, you said, <laughs> arguably their greatest back two in Ferdinand and Village mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. They were absolute rocks together. Then you had the likes of Ronaldo who was emerging, coming into the game for them. And then the ever-present Scholes and Giggs and Saha and Wayne Rooney who was the wonder kid at the time. And it's it's a bit like, you say special, right? And you, it's a, you think it's a bit of a cliche term. And the times I can look back and say, probably Barcelona in 2012, AC Milan when Skippy scored a goal and the rain was coming down and Dita got smashed up. And then you probably look at the, 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 the Manchester United game in 2006. And yeah, for chances, it probably wasn't the greatest game. But I, I really do think that's down to... um how we set up and how Gordon Strachan set the game up. You're, as I said, you're going with two flat backs of four. You've got two up front and Feniger has like Saraski who can get about them and Feniger can hold the ball up, bring people into play. And I mean, just to go for it again, Telfer started this game. Baldi started this game. I mean, probably much how to look. Yeah, Baldi, McManus, Naylor, Nakamura, Graverson, Lennon, Snow. Feniger has linked Saraski. Miller, Miller, Yarzik, and Maloney came out as substitutions. I mean, see, see, to be fair, like, again, this, this is what my argument is all the time. We looked at this year's Champions League group, and I think, in my personal opinion, we made excuse after excuse after excuse about Calibre as a player. But you've got the likes of Evander Snow teaming up against Ronaldo and Giggs and Scholes. Do you know what I mean? So that argument for me flies out the window straight away because you can't tell me. A Modric, a Modric of Shakhtar Donetsk would get in, the, get in this United team or an Evander Snow of Celtic would get in this as Boston Goldie team. That for me is really shit and the argument doesn't stick. There's nights that it just clicks and this is one of these famous nights. And so you've just added to the fact, against your own point now. I didn't argue against your own point. There's nights that clicks. That's how it does. Yeah, but, but, what, no, but what I'm saying is it should happen more than it does now. It's zero attempts out of fucking free, Franny. And we didn't get anything from the Champions League, you know what I mean? Like, we had three games, we drew one. That's not a great, a good record at home. Come on, like, you know what I'm saying? But it's, I mean, Stubbsy's horse here. Attitude and organisation, 100%. It was spot on, and Strachan had it drilled in. And I know the players always hated his pre-seasons. You ever hear the ex-professionals talk about it? It was mental, yeah. running up hills, just constantly running, 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 being fit, being fast, being mobile, being agile. And you, you could see that. And that Nakamura free kick was, again, the both of them, Anthony, should be at the top of them Champions League credits with a green and white jersey on and the, the black and green one at the time, the away kit. Both incredible free kicks. And the, I know you're going to come on to it as well, but the, the Adelaide at full time and Saha missed that penalty kick, by the way, Boric. Like, sensational. Sensational. You, you just never forget them moments. And I think we underappreciate and undervalue what we've seen before and what we know we can achieve because I think sometimes now, it's an excuse culture where we can blame it on a world-class player or blame it on a finance. But you only have to rewind 15 years ago and we'll have, we'll have the likes of uh, McManus and Baldi up against Wayne Rooney and Saha. So, yeah, that's that's where I stand on it. These nights can happen. They need to happen more often. And if it's more attitude and more organisation, then we'll do it. Because I know Posta Cody wants to do that and I believe in it. But, I mean, Gordon Strachan done it really well. Well, that's, that's the thing, uh, Franco, in terms of that night itself, you know, you said you, you were there that night. It was your first year as a, a, a season book holder. I, I, looking back, I think I went more mental when Boric actually saved the penalty rather than even Naka's amazing goal because I still thought when Nakamura scored, they thought some of the players Stephen mentioned there, your Rooney's and your Ronaldo's, etc. Or two, you thought these guys are going to get another chance. And then we gave away a penalty. 
um, there was a, a handball handball given against us as always just seems to be part mm-hmm. of the course uh, these days and you thought God, it's going to feel like we're going to get a point against Man United and it's going to feel like two dropped but cometh the hour cometh the man Arthur Boric possibly he's um, th- th- that in the year after would probably say was his peak years at Celtic mm-hmm. when I could say he would fit into any team in the world uh, came up with the goods and made a fantastic save from Louis Saha uh, it's just like you said the atmosphere in the the Benfica game was just absolutely trumped by this. And I like remember the game, there wasn't many chances for either team and stuff, but it was just uh, that five, seven minutes to go, you get that free kick at well, it's got to the edge of the box. It's it's fucking far from the edge of the box. It's like it's thirty, thirty five yards out and like say every time you see it, every time you talk about it to somebody, it gets further out and gets closer to the the sort of a corner if the corner if it could get even closer, but mm. even after his goal in the opening game, and all what we knew about Nakamura that it gave us the year and stuff leading up to it, we knew we knew he had it in his in his locker to put it in there. And even I think Man United knew it as well because well everybody was in all the big boys were in the wall and stuff, and he's seen their complaints when obviously the free kick was given. I think they feared. But they, this, this is it was almost a free kicks for about 30, 35 yards was a penalty for us almost when Nakamura was on the park. You just you might more often than not he would put it in. And it's absolutely ridiculous how good that free kick is. You just I don't mm-hmm. think there's enough to describe how good that free kick was. And it's not just like under the circumstances, I know we a lot of us back then we didn't really know we knew if we won depending on other results, we would be through. But obviously, you didn't really have social media and, or didn't really have the access to things like that at the game. So as much as you were caught up in the excitement of, of scoring, you weren't really sure where it left you. A Spartak Moscow penalties. Ah, that was good. That was a good night. <laughs> Coming up on the next rewind. <laughs> um, so you obviously, you didn't really know how you were sitting in the group if that actually got you through or no. Uh, obviously, it was still just the kind of days folk are listening to the, the like the resort for portable wirelesses and things like that. I had it was things like that checking teletext and some some lucky person never <laughs> had a mobile phone in the ground and it was. I still remember the numbers. number on the teletext was, that you typed in. Was what was it then? Four two seven. All right, I'll try to catch you there. <laughs> 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 um, but I, it's like you said, knock like that should be in high rate highlight reels that, that goal with champion, the Champions League and stuff it's like folk going about saying hey, Beckham was a great free kick to Roberto Carlos and all that it's like they weren't in the level eh, in Nakamura the only guy I would honestly put above Nakamura is the, the boy Zanino for, for Leon he was, yeah, he was ridiculous for free kicks absolutely ridiculous but I would put they two they two on a par for free kicks maybe Hadji <coughs> as well Hadji was really good uh, but I like Steven Sedella as well with Nakamura he was like an absolute icon in Japan I think it was only the boy Nakata uh, in Roma that was probably the the main guy in Japan then mm-hmm. we had we had the next guy and it was the, just one of them he was just an absolute special special player and like so you get the pen against you like like you said Anthony I can remember being at the game as well obviously after he sort of calmed down he's celebrating after Nakamura scores you're like Looking up at the clock, and it's one of them five minutes to go by the time you stop celebrating. But it's, it's, it just feels like it feels like an hour. It's dragging, and you're constantly looking up. You're like, it's only been twenty seconds. You're cheering every tackle, every throw, and you get it. Just anything, a decision that goes your way. Then obviously, they get the penalty, and you're like, oh, just absolutely deflated. Then, but it had it in him. You were confident. I think he was that tall figure and goals. We better not done the we dance about and stuff, but you always had confidence that he would save a penalty. I don't know if he would get away with Manil now because he was probably well off his line as well when he saved it because he's seen a lot of keepers back then. They always dive forward, so they must have been well off the line. And <laughs> like I said, but it was it was good hands that he managed to just push it out wide and we managed to clear it. But I what like after the game, what an absolute I don't think it was until we got back in the car, me, my sister and Vary, that we actually realised that that but we're actually through when you started listening on the radio and you were like, just struggle to get to sleep that night. But I, it's been one 
along with Barcelona, Spartak Moscow, it's, and obviously the many times I was there when you beat Rangers, it's it's got to be hard to ever beat that game. I totally agree, and I think that's the thing. But as Stephen, you mentioned before, because it was three two to United Old Trafford, but one 0 to us, it meant that no matter what happened in match night six, our name would be in the hat for the last sixteen. So it was an absolutely tremendous effort, and scary to think now. You know, qualifying for the last sixteen with a game to spare. You know, just you know, it's been a long, long time since anything like that's ever happened. But um. I think this might actually be the only time out of the three times that we've done it where it didn't go down to the last game. <laughs> but we did have the chance uh, to win the group if we bettered Man United's score in the final game, but unfortunately they won 3-1 quite convincingly um, at Old Trafford against Benfica. And we had our typical night away from home in Europe, a 3-1 <laughs> yep, defeat did. to Copenhagen. Very similar to the Anderlecht games or the Rosenberg games for years before. Uh, we're 2-0 down after less than half an hour and from pretty much then it's just, you know, damage limitation. But um, regardless of that, the final group standings uh, where Man United went through in first place with 12 points, Celtic through on nine, uh, thanks to one of their three home games. Uh, Benfica and Copenhagen were both tied on seven points, but due to the, the head-to-head, uh, Benfica went through uh, to the UEFA Cup and Copenhagen were eliminated from Europe. So we hoped... Uh, Franco, that you know, first time in the last sixteen, maybe they would be the groups. The gods would get, give us a decent draw, be kind to us, and then again, they just do what they normally did. They gave us AC Milan, the of old, may I add, not the, <laughs> the kind of current indifferent lot, a proper behemoth, old money, AC Milan, full of the likes of Kaka and and the rest. Paolo Maldini, obviously, still playing with them at that point as well. Uh, they went on to win the tournament this year and uh, Carlo Ancelotti actually said that Celtic were the, the hardest team in the entire competition that they faced that year. Um, the tickets sold out in record time, as you can imagine, uh, for the home leg, which finished 0-0. A uh, bit of a game of chess, sort of speaking of, for my memory of being there. don't recall us having too many chances. Then again, apart from maybe one or two saves for Boric, I don't recall them sort of been too gung-ho either. It was very much a game played in the middle of the park. Um, I remember one shot from Lee Naylor that was about 30 yards that you know, wasn't too far away. But apart from that, we didn't really threaten. Uh, and in the return leg in the San Siro, we could finish 0-0 at Celtic Park. Very credible result. Uh, we went over there thinking, God, if we could just sneak a goal from set play, something like you know, a Nakamura special. We were denied a stonewall penalty early doors. Um the referee decided that he, you know, he couldn't see a blatant handball. Uh, but we held out until extra time, uh, believe it or not. But then that little bit of extra skill and class just just shone through. And Kaka ran through the entire midfield before placing it under Boric. So it was a, a bitterly disappointing night. Um, but very, also at the same time, very proud. <laughs> He's no right, sir. No, I <laughs> uh, I it was one of the ones, Anthony. You were obviously buzzing to be in the buzzing to be in the draw. You were never, you were never got to get an easy game, so it didn't really matter who better to get than an AC, the AC Milani old uh, the original. If you like, it's back when they had the stars of Kaka. I think Pilo would have been there at the time. Sedov potentially might have mm. been there. I think Paponzaghi was up front for them. Like yep. was, I can't remember if Nesta was there in that, that year or the year after. I can't actually remember. But I was... John or Caf- no? <laughs> uh, Caffrey was maybe there and stuff. It's, they would have had the superstars uh, in the world back then, but uh, it was a very, very cagey game. It, it felt like, not that AC Milan weren't trying to win the game, but it was almost they were like, well... Well, no, we know what they've done in the group stages. They've won all their home games. Well, let's no, let's not make it hard for us in the home. It's not that I don't think. Obviously, guys like Kyle Ancelotti, his manager, and the players they had there, they wouldn't have been happy with two 0 But they'd have probably thought, worst case, if it ends up two 0 we'll probably take them back to San Siro. We'll be confident in the ability. We've got superstars in this team that will be able to be able to put it back. But it was one of the ones. Let's stay in the game, and I think this typical Italians they know how to defend and yep. they never really gave us much chances but I think equally we were not want we were still trying to keep ourselves in the tie 
maybe be like sneaking away, going the, the away leg and stuff. But and, uh, going to the San Siro, it's an iconic stadium. Chance to maybe progress. It's, you're against Dodge, you know, you, you know you're up against it and stuff. Kaka was arguably the, the best player in world football at this time and stuff. And his goal kind of brought back memories of what was his name, McManaman for Liverpool. Back yeah. many moons ago, where he, uh, and Van Janssen's reign, where he just, just kept on running. You're like, somebody just snap him. Somebody, because yeah. I think it was about, it was not about five minutes or ten minutes before the end of the game or something. It was near the end of the game. You're maybe just sitting going, Quite late on, yeah. Get it to penalties and chance your luck. And by Kaka, it was, it's probably easier said than done to, to hack a player like that abilities. We wouldn't have been the only team to try and try and pull him down. It was, it was probably, Probably dealing with that week in, week out, and just got learnt how to get away with it. But uh, I was just, I can just, every time I seen replays, it was like, somebody just come bring them down, just bring them down, and then try and deal with the free kick and hopefully get it to penalties. But uh, it was, it's one of the ones, it was a, a, a violent effort, but uh, it just ended up in heartache. But but it was a piece of magic for Kaka at the end of the day. Yeah, I suppose, Stephen, if you're going to, if you're going to go out, in Europe, you might as well go out on your sword because there's absolutely we had a, we played very well over there. Yes, it was a game where we had our backs against the wall a lot. You know, AC Milan are always going to have the lion's share of possession, especially uh, in the San Siro. But we we threatened, and like I say, we had a stonewall penalty claim turned down, and uh, we more than gave our all against uh, a, a team that, as we said, went on to win the tournament that year. But it just it's unfair if you're going to lose. You might as well lose to a goal of the kind of quality that Kaka provided, but there's only so many special players that are capable of doing that, and um, it was just one step too far for us on the night. I mean, to be fair, I think probably about three or four times we've if we faced in the Champions League the eventual winners, haven't we? Like Barcelona, Milan, them types of teams have always went on to either do well or win the Champions League. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of these two games, possibly the home leg, I think McGeady kind of come onto the scene, didn't he, and to, to, um, took Maldini to school. Obviously, can't take that man to school, but he tortured him in one of these games, I'm pretty sure it was. And he was fantastic. That's one of the group game when we got them in the groups, mate. But I well, it might have, have, have been the group. I then, remember him getting Maldini raved played. about Maldini and Nesta yeah. raved about him after a game. But, yeah, I'm playing, like, to be fair, I mean, Anzalari gave us high praise and we're a tough team in, in terms of the overall winners. I mean, you have to respect him saying that, but I mean, Patrick McLaughlin said it, I think, that they studied what um, the Bayern did previously in terms of coming to us for a point and then getting the win over, over their ground. The game was balanced on the knife edge, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It was balanced on an absolute night. Like, it was one of them ones that we, we didn't want to overcommit. We were sitting back a lot. We were what drawing the attention on ourselves, kind of soaking up, trying to hit them on the counter. And just one, one bugbear for me was Neil Lennon should have took Kaka out. Like, he should have took... <laughs> I mean, he, he, one of the most criminal things is watching Lennon try and sprint and keep up with Kaka. He just should have wiped them out, took one for the team, and then if he got a red card, it would have been probably a yellow card stopping the counter-attack. So be it. But, yeah, probably one of our most respect, respectable performances in, in, a, in a knockout tie. Obviously, we haven't won since 2004 in, in an individual-type game. But I uh, was just... Bit, bit bittersweet to be fair, the one the Champions League and stuff, but he still thought maybe we could have went one stage further if Lenny just made that decision and chopped him down. Well, that's the thing, Franco, that you're absolutely buying on, Stephen, because I must admit, um, going in, but when the 90 minutes were up that night, and um, I remember watching that at a friend's house, and everyone was in a pretty jovial spirits, so was going, This game's here for the taking, we, we, we can actually knock AC Milan out on the, on their own patch. But there was a part of me that felt that the whole the way the whole match was panning out, that it was kind of similar to the uh, the match against Porto and Seville, where you thought it's going to be very, very close. We're going to do ourselves proud, and we absolutely did. But it, I never felt like we were maybe going to get that, that moment where we would, be, would come out on top. I did feel that if there was going to be one winner, it was possibly going to be to a bit of magic from Milan. Um, but you have, I have to say, Franco, there's absolutely no disgrace in losing to AC Milan. And um, it's probably, as, as Stephen says, when you look back at, you know, all the campaigns for you have gone by, 
this sometimes can get overlooked at just how how well we played that night and um, how much we we did have Milan on the ropes at certain points in the game. Uh, it was it was like you say. I get when I jog my memory back. It was when it went in at the extra time. Uh, you're sitting going right. Well, we know we're a fit team. We know we can. We always go for the ninety minutes. So we've probably probably got something left in the tank that can can maybe just try for the first fifteen minutes here. Have a wee go, but and I don't really think I can't. As I say, I don't. I think the the whole extra time. What I can remember, it was it was crazy. There wasn't a lot of clear cut chances, and it was just like you say, Kaka came up with that that bit of magic and stuff, which which can happen. He just showed how fit he was. At, like like we we're saying, Lennon was never blessed with pace, so it was. There was only one one on that race, and I think even Nakamura was, if, if I remember right, I think Nakamura was even chasing him. So I think I had the two slowest, two slowest guys in the team trying to chase him back, and I just, just dribbled his way through the team, and just I was a brilliant goal, but I, was, I just keep going back, just like Matt uh, McMahon, I'm just someday, someday tackle him, someday yep. bring him yep. down. Uh, hindsight, as they say, is oh, a it's a wonderful thing, thing isn't it? But uh, in terms of season 2006-07, the, the rest of the campaign, certainly domestically, it was very good. As I say, we uh, we won the league pretty comfortably. Again, it was uh, two in a row um, in terms of league titles for Gordon uh, in that season. We also won the Scottish Cup that year. Um, so we actually, I always remember in the, <coughs> the Celtic View summer edition that year, he says he went, essentially, I've won a treble. This is, you know, the, the, the true domestic double plus last 16 qualification in the Champions League. And, <laughs> To be in, when you think about it like that, it's uh, not a mean feat, but but by any any stretch. And um, it was Neil Lennon's final season as a as a player with us. Um, so his last act as captain was to to lift the Scottish Cup after a admittedly pretty drab affair against Dunfermline, where uh, John Joe Pierre Dumbey scored the winner oh. with uh, five minutes to go. Mate, I watched that in Halifax that game. I actually watched that in a pub in Halifax. My cousin was getting married, and me and my uncle. My dad and my cousin sneaked at the wedding. Just to go watch the game. Uh, we, we, we had tickets for the game that day and then ended up going over to Dublin to watch it. <laughs> as you do. But, uh, you know, what can you what can you say? And um, But in terms of the, the show tonight, guys, that's that's pretty much it. As I say, we'll hopefully do another rewind soon where we can talk about the following season, 2007-8, where there's penalty shootout drama. Uh, mayhem as Donati scores the last minute, winner against Shakhtar, yes. and we find ourselves once again in the last 16, we got to the point under we Gordon Strachan that we thought that that was just the norm, that we just qualified <laughs> all the time. But needless to say, it doesn't happen too often after that. Um, but Stephen, as I say, you, you want to... I'll, I'll hand over to yourself just to kind of promote Friday night show coming up as of course, <laughs> Celtic are back this weekend. I mean, they're long awaited back on the return of Celtic. I know we played Rens in a closed-door friendly or got beat 4-3 by all kinds of sound like an, an entertaining game, but Let's not read too much into it. We're, we're top league, nine points clear. They have Ian Bale at the wheel, and we're going to have Postacoglu bring us back to action on Saturday. We'll be looking ahead to that on Friday. Back to normal podcast. These rewinds have been also been excellent. We're going to obviously keep doing it when we have time and more, more in the pipeline. And John, who's in the comments, we're doing a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire quiz for Hogmanay. So that'll be unbelievable. Look forward to John's hosting it. I'm sure it's going to be excellent. Much like well, well, these quiz was. If you haven't watched the, the the World Cup quiz, go back to Friday. You're probably need two days to yourself to watch it. But it's right, absolutely incredible. Off, we have to, have to come to a hotel. Have to come here. <laughs> but yeah, we're back to normal Friday. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, great we rewind as well, buddy. That's great. Thank, thanks very much, guys. Thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, both you really appreciate it, and uh, yeah, uh, thanks to everyone for joining in and getting involved in the comments as well. It's uh, Always, always great to hear from you all. And uh, the next time I, I won't be on on Friday night. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's yourself, Ross, and Wally, Stephen, am I right? Yeah, I think yeah. So, uh... yeah. So the other boys that are on tonight, and uh, the rest is I shall see at the Endless Silks Christmas Party on Saturday. Cheers, guys. Lucky for See you later. Stay well. Keep safe. Stay well, folks. Cheers. <laughs>